Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Changemakers LA podcast presented by Lescale. The Changemakers LA podcast is a tribute to the people and the policies that make LA neighborhoods good places to live, work, and play. My name is Debra Breno. I am a program officer at the Local Initiative Support Corporation LA. On today's episode, we will talk to our guests about how they are helping small businesses build long-term sustainability, increase eligibility for contracts, and increase access to capital. Joining us today, we have Claudia Morales. Hi, Claudia. Thank you for joining us. Claudia is an experienced nonprofit leader, social entrepreneur with a demonstrated history of working across industries and sectors. She is skilled in project and nonprofit management, operations, facilitations, training, program development strategy and business development. Claudia has worked with startup companies and organizations. We also have on the line, Dr. David Choi, an award-winning professor of entrepreneurship. He is a chair of the national, nationally ranked Fred Keisner Center for Entrepreneurship, founding director of the master's program in entrepreneurship and sustainable innovation, founding director of the family business entrepreneurship program, in the College of Business Administration, all at LMU. In addition, David and LMU are LISC-LA's management education partner for the Ascend LA program. David's uh, team works with Ascend LA businesses to develop updated business plans and sound strategies for growth. Thank you, David, for your partnership and for being here today. Thanks for having me. All right, and we also have Renee Coda, president of CMG Alliance. CMG Alliance is a management consulting firm specializing in government contracting. Renee um, has advised numerous clients in successfully bidding and winning contracts with federal, state, local government, utilities, and major corporations. He is a certified management education specialist uh, with over 15 years of experience as a contract negotiator. His expertise includes testifying as an expert in federal and state courts in the area of policy and compliance. So thank you all for being here. We really appreciate your time and your insights um, for us today. So today's conversation is centered on business development. We'll discuss the assistance that small businesses need, uh, which is in high demand, as we all know, the work uh, that you all do to address the many challenges that diverse businesses face. We know that impacted businesses need culturally competent wraparound services that address issues with operations, management, marketing, sales, finances, customers, competition, their value proposition, so a lot for them to cover. Um, and that access to human, social, and financial capital is limited for diverse entrepreneurs. Um, and when we talk about diverse entrepreneurs, we are talking about businesses owned by people of color. Some of them may be starting their business, you know, brand new, uh, maybe transitioning from a nine to five to pursue their passions. You know, we're also talking about legacy businesses who are cultural staples of our communities all who are looking for um, new opportunities and looking to capture new business. So let's talk about, you know, the efforts that you've worked on to secure small small and large procurement opportunities, 
how you've helped them build partnerships and, you know, how we're working on achieving sustainability. So Dr. Choi, we'll start with you. In a previous episode, we discussed the school to career pipeline and leveraging partnerships to ensure students access high road careers. Your academic partnership with LISCLA is a bit different. It works with entrepreneurs who are not enrolled as students and are not required to hold a high school diploma or other standard uh, academic credentials to be part of the Ascendalay program. How do you think academic, corporate, community partnerships like Ascendalay LA are critical to achieving equity for entrepreneurs? Thank you for the question. You know, um, I'm bragging here a little bit, but, you know, we at LMU, you know, we've had a vibrant entrepreneurship program, you know, for our traditional students, right? Undergrads, we have 300 students majoring in entrepreneurship. We have two master's programs, like you mentioned, family business program, MBA, M, exact MBA, and also on. And we're very proud of our program, but we thought that as a Jesuit institution that seeks to be involved in all aspects of society, we felt that we needed to do more to serve our, to serve our communities than just educate the traditional students. So what one thing we wanted to do was, you know, over the last several decades, we really did a great job of developing the curriculum that really helps entrepreneurs, right? We've kind of figured this out over the last few decades. And the fact is that this great material is not accessible to many of these non-traditional people, non-traditional students who could really use the material. So we, we were looking forward to a chance, opportunity to share the material. And so we're very actually very excited about the opportunity to work at LISC LA and organizations like um, CMJ Alliance and offer this uh, education material to these non-traditional students. And I think that, you know, as long as these uh, participants, you know, really uh, take time to learn and work at organizations like LISC-LA and CMG Alliance, they can really, uh, um, really uh, grow their businesses and, uh, uh, you know, thereby um, enhance the overall equity in our society. Yeah, so thank you for, you know, always sharing those resources. We think it's super important that even if, you know, people don't have access to a university or a high school degree, that they are able to pursue their dreams. Um, and part of that is also, you know, having the right tools to be able to be successful when it comes to business development. And so, Claudia, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, what is kind of your approach to business development, given the diversity of clients that you work with? You know, what resources and best practices do you provide them? For example, do you lean on things like the management education from a school like LMU? Um, or do you take what other resources do you use for them? Absolutely. Thank you for that question. And I feel that I really have to speak to the challenges that I have experienced as an entrepreneur. 
um, you know, operating in a business ecosystem as an immigrant woman of color coming from an underserved community. Uh, I was very fortunate to be able to pursue a um, degree in training in social entrepreneurship, but I was definitely not prepared for dealing with the reality of actually running a business. Um, a lot of the work that I do now really focuses on supporting emerging entrepreneurs who are wanting to start ventures in untested markets. And so the risk that comes with that um, is enormous. And so uh, I realized that I can't take for granted the knowledge that I gained going through a, you know, a training program. But really, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with have no business background. They don't know somebody that ran a business that can you know, give them tips. They don't have access to finance. Um, they do depend a lot on their social capital. Right, working with communities and and you know kind of creating that that system of support. Um, so I really have to uh, both acknowledge um, the access that I have as a you know person that holds a higher degree and that does know other people uh, in business. Um, and then I try to extend that to the entrepreneurs that I support. I help them then uh, develop, I would say, both the technical understanding that is needed to run a business, but there's also the very um, personal, the very emotional um, aspect of running a business. How do you help emerging entrepreneurs um, be resilient? How do you help them be okay with plans not going the way that they would ideally want them to go with. How do they, you know, really navigate um, systems that expect you to come knowing exactly what you want, what you need at every point and step of the way. And so it, it really is a lot of um, high touch with the entrepreneurs that I work with. Um, interpreting and translating systems is core to what I do. Um, what does it mean when you go to the permitting office and all the documents that they're requiring to do and why would they need you to do that? Um, when they're going to ask for um, loans for startup capital, um, we definitely love to work with other uh, you know, partners that understand what it means to be a, a micro business entrepreneur and how they can then work with them to uh, adjust some of their criteria. How can they measure um, success of a, a new business um, based on alternate factors? And so um, for us, it's really important to meet entrepreneurs where they're at and uh, not assume that they know the things that I know and, and, and really help them um, build out that social capital. Yeah, absolutely. And Renee, I know that you, you know, the work that you support is really one-on-one -on -one support for entrepreneurs, making sure that they have those tools, but that they know how to strategically use them as well. Um, you know, we know that the city of LA, for example, has slated billions of dollars uh, for development and procurement services, but that though entrepreneurs may be excited for these new opportunities and kind of like ready to go after them both locally and federally, BIPOC-owned businesses who are certified and considered contract ready um, only capture a small percentage of the market. You work on, as I mentioned, one-on-one -on -one with the businesses to help them understand how to work with these procurement offices. So, you know, what do you see as major challenges? What, what do you think we can do here as, you know, as a collective to serve the businesses um, better and, and support them? Great question, Deb. So, you know, the way we look at it, at our firm specifically, it, what we would consider government contracting, whether it's federal contracting, state, municipalities, and counties, uh, and utilities, and then there's smaller agencies off of that, or, or even as a subcontractor to a prime contractor, looking at uh, types of opportunities on that side. What we really looked at 
is boiling down the services and resources. Ton of resources, ton of services out there for small and diverse businesses, really, really to to understand what is the best approach on that side and really the one-on-one services to your point. What we really looked at was the participant coming into the program and then supplying them with an entire business development team where they actually have analysts mining and searching opportunities, looking through scopes of work. They actually have a project manager that's going to walk them through an actual request for a proposal, no matter how scary it is, because typically, you know, you look at some of these things, the scopes and you know, the requirements on that side and, and all the hurdles, just getting through that document was really critical, taking them by the hand that that participant has all the resources they need. They have a question on a, you know, total obscure requirement, whatever it is, they reach out to their project manager and say, hey, or contract manager, so what, what are they talking about here? Make me understand what this is specifically. And then as we move into proposal production, having a technical writer take them by the hand and write this thing out. You know, We start with the template and we say, okay, here's what's needed. Here are the requirements. Here's the scope of work. How are we going to create added value? That's the one-on-one that is that we have found to be extremely valuable to the participant. You know, The majority of times, if you want to simplify this, we really looked at that small and diverse company coming in saying, listen, we don't have, I don't have enough time. There's not just not enough time in the day and in the weeks to look at the specific scopes of work, understand what it is, and then pivot into proposal production and trying to understand, okay, once I submit this, how am I going to actually get this off the ground? Having that one-on-one resources for them specifically we think has been incredibly valuable because, you know, this is what we preach to the participant is to say, listen, when you come into the program, you're going to have a ton of resources, a business development team. And that's the way you have, that is your mindset is to say, okay, my analyst, let's say he or she is searching for specific scopes of work and they're just not hitting the specific point that I want. And what I explain to them on a regular basis is, listen, you have to look at this as a situation like that is almost your employee. We're going to have to guide them just as you would a brand new employee. You would have to train somebody. Look, this is what I'm looking for. This is the scope of work I'm looking for. This is the geographic area of operation. Here are the thresholds. Here's the requirements that I meet. Here are the requirements that I don't meet. This is where maybe I'm not a union shop. I'm not signatory to whatever the case is. Once we're honing that down and the participant really understands, I've got a ton of resources. And the total, the ultimate objective, I should say, in that process, because you think about the analogy, feed somebody, give them a fish, they eat, teach them to fish, right? And we've all been through that analogy, is understanding the ultimate objective for the participant is to say, these are micro processes. These are micro processes that I'm going to implement within my business. So the takeaway for them is, and we hit on this, you know, on a regular basis as we go through this proposal production and then hopefully contract award where they're really nervous if they've never been a prime contractor or even a subcontractor and go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do at this point? Walking them through a kickoff meeting. Here's what we're looking at. This is the documentation we're going to look at. Now, these are the requirements. Now, here's what's expected of you. This is where you're going to have to be able to provide your product, your service, whatever it is, and at what timeline, and then setting up a lot of those documents for them setting up into a cloud-based system, into a drive system. Maybe they're not, you know, acclimated to, or they will always come back and say, well, I'm not 
computer savvy. How do I do this? Step-by-step walking them through it. They can definitely do it. It's just a matter of back to my original point about the time. What I tell participants all the time is what we're really doing is, is we're saving you time. We're making sure that you have those resources that you can lean on, whether it's the LMU folks, whether it's Claudia on the business development side, understand you've got to be able to reach out. If you're not reaching out, trying to understand those resources, then you're letting this go by. What I really preach to a lot of the participants coming in is to say this, listen, if it's a six-month cohort, a nine-month cohort, whatever it is, you don't want to be the company that sits there when you get the notification, hey, we're about 30 days out and we're going to be done. And you sit back and you go, oh my gosh, I just didn't take advantage of that. And we've seen that before, right? In the past where, and then they're coming back and saying, hey, can I get into another cohort? You know, absolutely on that side, because they start understanding, you know, what the real resources and the one-on-one what we think is, you know, really the the crux of the value there, having those resources specifically, you know, moving them through that. So that's, that's kind of our mantra about the one-on-one is really making sure that the participant understands. In other words, we're going to just take a business development team out of the sky and drop it on your business and say, okay, they're yours now, you know, utilize them. So that, that's kind of where we fall or that's our mindset specifically on the one-on-one. Yeah. And, and you're speaking to, you know, the support specifically that Ascend provides. And, you know, LMU is also our partner for the Ascend LA program. So, but how do you support maybe in, in general businesses or entrepreneurs that are diverse? You know, we're, we're looking to, to meet the supplier diversity um, goals. You know, how, how is our approach different? Claudia, um, you kind of mentioned uh, specifically supporting the entrepreneur. And, and I think uh, David's team does a lot of entrepreneurship mindset work, um, right? So it's, a lot of it is is beyond kind of the business development work that is done. So I'm curious, you know, f- from hearing from all of you, whether a business has access to something like Ascent or whether they don't, um, what what could you offer just kind of as, as a word of wisdom for those businesses who are diverse, um, who are looking to get into, into the market? I'll jump in on that question just from a strategy standpoint before Dave and Claudia somewhat give theirs is what we do specifically on the business development side is the research and planning is where they look at, okay, who has a diversity program? You know, how robust is it? Is it just lip service? I hate to say it that way, but you know, a lot of times a lot of businesses will just will understand that and they'll say, okay, this particular program, they're serious about their diversity program, their small business program. They've got advocates. And what we tell the participant is there's no lie in the numbers. Take a look at the numbers. What is the forecast? What have they done? How much business do they do with small and diverse businesses? You know, how small amount of business do they do with them? Is that a possible opportunity to wedge yourself in as an opportunity on that side? So I think it's really because from my standpoint, from our standpoint at the firm, we look at the diversity sector as wide open and the spectrum is huge, right? You have everybody from who is dead set on the diversity spend and saying, listen, we will contract with these companies all the way to, you know, the good faith effort, you know, type situation where you just go, okay, there's, there's no seriousness there, you know? So really, I guess the answer I would think that we talk about with a lot of participants is 
look at the numbers, look at the research, see what programs are robust and don't waste your time, especially as a small business. Don't waste your time on a specific agency or a prime contractor that you know, you've seen it, you know, it may be lip service, maybe they're just not really, you know, a program isn't that robust. Don't waste your time. You can change that, you know, at a later date and, you know, talk about that, how to fix those things. Absolutely. But you need to be focused on the business and closing those contracts. That's our mindset on that side. Deborah, to answer your question, you know, to a certain extent, we customize our approach to the special needs of our unique and diverse businesses, and sometimes we don't. So areas we don't, you know, we, we try to get our participants ready for contracts, right? So that means we got to teach them certain skills that are standard required for everybody. For example, how to write a capability state, statement, right, which we went over last weekend. We're going to talk about how to write certain aspects of the proposal, how to budget, how to the financial projections, right? These are skills that our participants are going to need, right? So do we go over those things? But uh, we also know that um, these things are, by the way, very, very hard. Large companies have MBAs and professional proposal writers, right? We have these small business owners, like you mentioned, not all of them have uh, college or graduate degrees, and now they have to write these proposals, okay, and compete against these companies. So um, we, we also try to get them, like you mentioned, um, have, have them have the right mindset, right? Positive entrepreneurial mindset so they can be proactive and innovative and, as Claudia mentioned, resilient, right? So we practice that, and that's the foundation of our uh, management education approach. Lastly, we know that observing successful entrepreneurs, what they do well is they plan and they put that into action, right? So one of the things we, we focus in our program is come up with plans, but also really putting that into action. So those are some of the, uh, some of the uh, different customized approaches to uh, in this uh, SEND program. Yeah, and I think what um, I would add to what both David and Renee had mentioned, it's definitely important to have the hard skills um, when it comes to research and planning. That's the foundation, I would say, for any business. Um, I would say for us, what's become really important is really focusing on the social aspect of a business and you know I think both Renee and David mentioned this before but how, how committed are our firms and companies really when we think about diversity equity and inclusion and so myself being a social entrepreneur right I've I've really have had to get in the habit of providing evidence um, for the work that I do as a business to say how does this positively impact um, not just employees of the firm but also the community at large and so understanding your metrics are really important, really having clarity of what your outcomes are. And I think that uh, what I have seen is that people are very willing to work with you when you're short of the mark, when you're not quite where you want to get to. And so um, we believe in extending the social network, you know, making relationships with other business owners who are also trying to figure out the same issue, talking to people that maybe have already figured it out. And then what are the tips that they can share? And, um, you know, people are really supportive in that sense. But I think when entrepreneurs are shy to talk about their challenges when you know they're kind of like I don't know if this is going to count against me if I talk to them about some of the struggles that I'm having um, transparency can go a very long way and so I, I would sum it up by saying that we really focus on the people needs of business and understanding that um, you know what makes a business successful and any um, goals that you've set for yourself around diversity equity inclusion have to start and have to be about people. 
Absolutely agree. I think, you know, at Lescale, we really try to push for community support and something that we've seen a part of our cohort is that businesses can do business together. Some proposals, they could go in together. Other ones, they might be competition and that's totally okay. Um, you know, we want to build community. We want to make sure that we're sharing the knowledge. And so even, you know, part of us being part of this, you know, podcast together is also coming, coming in community and sharing. Um, so we are almost out of time. I just want to make sure, you know, if, if you have any last words, anything you'd like to share, um, whether it is with entrepreneurs or with, you know, potential partners that might be listening, you know, I'll give you the floor just for if you want to share anything right before we wrap up. Oh my like goodness! What? You gave you gave the floor right off the bat, David. You knew I was going to cut you. I was going to be the first one to speak on that. Sorry about that. But I, I would just say I, I I would somewhat, you know, talk about Lisk and say it's just amazing the programs that you guys are looking at and the type of resources that you're putting out there. You know, I, I can say, you know, I've, I've talked to entrepreneurs, small businesses throughout the entire country. One of the the most astonishing people that I've ever spoken to was the actual CEO of the LA Chamber of Commerce. And she was telling me the story about, you know, she was actual small business person and she had no idea how many resources are out there. So I could just like to give a pat on the back to Lisk in general and just, you know, have pushing forward these initiatives. I mean, it's, it's just great. And I, I know for a fact, a lot of the businesses out there just may not know enough about some of the resources out there because it's the things that you guys are doing are you know, really amazing to be honest with you. So that was just my small shot there. Uh, that's what I, my two cents. No, I actually agree. I think uh, we're not, I'm not, we're not just saying this because we're on, on the podcast here with LISC, but uh, LISC LA is a well-run organization. And, um, you know, people think a uh, nonprofit, how well, well-run can they be? But uh, it's actually, I've been quite impressed how, how effective you guys are. But, um, you know, I really like what Claudia mentioned about our entrepreneurs, you know, needing and they should network more often, right? With other businesses, small and large. Um, and that if you're honest about what you're good at, what you're not good at, people really want to help other entrepreneurs, big business, small businesses. It's amazing. And as long as you're an honest, hardworking, and nice person, guess what? People are willing to help. So, um, you know, I would, I would uh, you know, ask our entrepreneurs not to be shy, right? Uh, and, uh, and and cooperate with other people. And uh, that what you mentioned about maybe, you know, writing a proposal together with other ascend businesses, right? I think that'd be, that'd be really powerful. That'd be the most diverse uh, proposal there is. So uh, I think uh, we would have, a, would have a, a winning chance there. Uh, what I would also say is that not all entrepreneurs are created equal. Um, what it means to be an immigrant entrepreneur versus a woman entrepreneur, uh, those experiences and the nuances of that are very, very different. And so uh, really understanding what those true-to-life experiences are, I think better can inform the services and supports that are available. One of the things that, that I appreciate about LISC, I've had the opportunity on a number of times to connect with um, the staff there. And, and I find that you know they're involved they're sitting in and working groups, being part of meetings, talking to community, being with community so that they can better understand um, what is really happening on the ground um, and how do you target the services that you offer um, to meet those needs. And so um, I think for me, it's just really important to be able to meet people where they're at and to teach entrepreneurs how to 
um, work on their business versus working in their business. Because oftentimes as a small business, you get so caught up in the day to day that you forget to take a step back and kind of remember the why of why you started your business and why you're doing what you do. And so I think that a combination of, of that um, really goes a long way to, to help people develop that entrepreneurial mindset. And with that, thank you so much, David, Renee, Claudia, for joining us today. Your insights are really essential to understanding business development and you know how to businesses access new contracts. Each of you play a vital role in achieving economic equity. Um, outcomes in this space, especially during, you know, the pandemic. Um, so we look forward to continue to work with you to dismantle systemic barriers and increase economic mobility through groundbreaking work. Thank you so much. This episode of Changemakers LA was made possible by our partners, JPMorgan Chase. If you would like to learn more about how we support place-based initiatives for housing and economic development at LISC LA, please visit us online at www.list.org forward slash Los Angeles and follow us on Twitter at list underscore LA. You can find the rest of the series on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe to hear more conversations about the people and places that shape Los Angeles. This podcast was produced in collaboration with Growing Greatness Now, a consulting firm committed to social and environmental justice.